Are you ready to get going? Ready when you are. Fire at will. All right. Uh, first, I want to say hello. This is Jake Stein. Uh, welcome you all to the Buddy Time Podcast. Uh, as a reminder to all the members of the RJ Metrics team, uh, anyone can interview anybody else for their Buddy Time, uh, and I highly recommend you doing so. Uh, today, I'm joined by Chris Merrick, our VP of Engineering. Chris, please say hello. Hello. Great job, Chris. Uh, how long have you been with RJ Metrics? Uh, I have worked at RJ Metrics for five and a half years, maybe a little bit more. That sounds right to me. Uh, what was the position you first applied for? I applied for a user experience designer position or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Yes. Something I'm not qualified to do. I, I remember that. Uh, do you remember the, the cover letter that you sent uh, with that, that application? Uh, not verbatim. I remember the gist. Yeah, my, uh, what was the gist that, that you do remember? The gist was that I am not qualified <laughs> to do that role. I, I remember that. I, um, I actually went into uh, Jazz, nay the resumator, uh, and pulled it up. And my favorite sentence is it, uh, considering the lack of experience, I currently have few of the core qualifications for this job. That was great. Yeah, all right. I, I've used that line several times since then. Yeah, it's, it's a power move for any cover letter. Yeah. Uh, why did you originally apply? Uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, informed me that you and Bob were people I should work with. Uh, I, needless to say, I have since cut ties with that person. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a great, it was a great fraud that Kyle perpetrated. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your typical day at work. Oh, boy. Um, there is a lot of variety. Um, I would say, just like thinking chronologically, um, it's usually I'm able to focus on a couple projects in the first two hours of the day, and then around 10 a.m., all the teams start doing their stand-ups and so forth. So I'll occasionally attend some of those. Um, and even when I'm not, usually things come up that I can be helpful with around uh, either design decisions or discussions that uh, I can help get unblocked. So I often find that uh, if I'm going to have a uh, distraction, it will come between like 10 and noon. Um, so uh, if I get distracted, I'll usually uh, hop into discussions with the team during that time period. Um, and uh, then in the afternoon, uh, about Two or three days a week, I spend a lot of the afternoon time checking in with, checking in with the team and uh, doing various uh, reviews and check-ins with uh, members of the engineering team. And two or the other two, three or days, th two or three days a week, I uh, will be coding. Hopefully, if everything goes well. How often does everything go well? Uh, there are often a lot of distractions there too. Yeah. Uh, most of my coding takes place from the like seven to eleven p.m. time range. Excellent. And that's PM. PM, yes. yes. PM. Um, you mentioned before a lot of stand-ups happen at 10.30. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody knows what a stand-up is. Could you talk about that? Uh, so a stand-up is a uh, practice that pretty much all of the teams, all of the project teams uh, within the engineering organization use, um, which is a quick meeting, uh, hence the name stand-up. It should be able to be completed uh, while standing up, uh, in which all the members of the team uh, give a roughly 30 second update on uh, 
what they're doing and most importantly what if anything is blocking them and how they would become unblocked. Um, the goal is primarily to make sure that people um, aren't uh, chasing down rabbit holes um, and aren't blocked by other people. Got it. Uh, I think you kind of hinted uh, at this before, but what does is, what is your typical look, day look like after work? <laughs> um, most typically I will go home uh, around 7 p.m. Uh, to have dinner with my lovely wife. Hopefully she's listening. I'm sure she is. Hello, plug, sir. plug. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're not gonna mention Roxy. Oh, and and my uh, very sane dog, Roxy. Yes. Um, and uh, hang out with them for a couple hours. I'm I'm the night owl of the family, so uh, they usually uh, tire out between nine and ten. And I uh, I'll usually uh, most nights I'll I'll tap back in and do some kind of work from from that until whenever I fall asleep. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very yeah. Needless to say, it's, it's a it's a very exhilarating lifestyle. I, I feel like I'm Robin Leach right now. You're yeah. talking about lifestyles of the rich and famous. Very glamorous. Um, I did some research before this interview. You've really done your homework. I, uh, I have extensive notes. Yeah. I'm a bit of a preparer. Um, word on the street is that you at one point worked as a roadie. You, you mean word on the RJ Metrics About Us page? Street About Us page is yes, all pretty right. much the same. That's where all the good gossip yeah. goes. Uh, that is true, although uh, that's maybe a little bit of a glorification of the mm -hmm. of the reality. Um, Similar to the thing on the about page about beating the forty fourth ranked ping pong player, that's a glorification. Uh, no, that that is one hundred percent fact. Oh, okay, that is one hundred percent fact, uh, and and frankly, not that glamorous either. <laughs> um, but uh, I did during high school. My uh, best friend from high school, his dad owned a production company and uh, gave us. It was a great summer job. Mm -hmm. um, where we would, um, we were basically responsible for setting up speakers and AV equipment um, for uh, the good gigs were concerts, the bad gigs were conferences, um, and uh, then basically standing around while whatever the thing, you know, whatever the event was occurred, and then break it all down and, and clean up. And so um, it was a great job because you you would get like 24 hours of work and make a you know for the for someone that age make mm -hmm. a ton of money uh in overtime and so forth um 24 hours of continuous work yeah oh wow um because like uh you know two like a two-day weekend where there were two big shows uh, you would okay. kind of you'd basically you know you'd be cleaning up the, the last yeah. one from 3 a until 3 or 4 a.m and then you would go home like reload the truck with the new stuff and then get out to the next venue to set up the, new, the next one wow um but the reason the roadie was uh, probably a little bit of a uh, uh, overstatement was because we we worked fairly locally. Mm -hmm. uh, the the farthest away we we went was Montreal, which is cool. Um, but uh, we weren't exactly on the road. Uh, a, a lot of the guys that I worked with had been on the road, but uh, I don't think the the parents would have really uh, allowed that during uh, my high school summer break. Fair enough. Where uh, where did you grow up? In Massachusetts. Where in Massachusetts? A town called Plymouth, Massachusetts. Sounds lovely. It is. It's, yeah. uh, hopefully, you recognize the name. I do. Plymouth Rock. It did not land on us. No, it did land on us. We didn't land on it. Yeah. Fun fact: there is still a Plymouth Rock. Really? It's just a random rock. Huh? They decided to carve 1620 to it. Are you sure it wasn't carved in there before they got there? I I 
I can't be totally sure, okay. but I know the rock has changed since I've been alive. There have been multiple rocks, so <laughs> I have a funny, funny feeling. Uh, there, uh, another fun fact on the about page, maybe in your history as a roadie, that you were you smashed a guitar for some famous musician. Is that right? That is also correct. Yes, and that is uh, that occurred while on the job. Okay. <laughs> Was that uh, were you doing the right thing or the wrong thing in the job when that happened? Yeah. Uh, I was I was doing the right thing poorly, um, <laughs> much like it worked today. Yes, yeah. uh, and much like uh, many of the themes we touched on, that story sounds a lot more glamorous yeah. than it is. Uh, I was actually setting up a set for uh, the band. Um, who was it? Oh, Los Lobos, mm. who is the band that plays La Bamba. Um, Sounds awesome. And this was at the Democratic National Convention when it was in Boston in, I guess it would have been 2004, or like before the 2004 election. Okay. Um, and so the the gig was for a, a nighttime mm -hmm. you know, event at a, at a big bar in Boston, and we were there at like you know, 2 p.m. setting up mm -hmm. the set so that they could do sound check and everything. And I, you know, just running around the stage, I was like carrying a speaker, and I just tripped over the guitar cord, and it smashed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, whatever picture you had in your head yeah, is not exact at all what the reality was. Uh, <laughs> and then the uh, the best part was though, um, this uh, one of the the other guys, like all the like big bands will travel with like a guitar tech whose job it is to take care of the you know, the guitars and, and the other instruments. Yeah. And so he came out and just started giving me. The business, uh, <laughs> just, just, just completely lambasting me, uh, and I was just standing there like, "Yeah, what do you want me to do?" Like, yeah, I just need to. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, like I'm an asshole. <laughs> what else can I do? Uh, and then, uh, you know, he kind of like called the lead guitarist, like to tell the lead guitarist, like, "Oh, look what this kid did." And the lead guitarist just looked at him, was like. Just fix it. <laughs> totally had my back. Nice. Been a huge Lababa fan ever since. Absolutely. Wait, and isn't Lababa like a Richie Valens or something like? Isn't it some old musician that did Lababa? Uh, maybe this. Maybe theirs maybe is a cover. cover. I don't really yeah. know. Uh, I, I don't know. Despite my fan, I'm. I'm. You know. Fair yeah. Fan. Fair much fan of Los Lobos. You yeah. you respect their uh, their mentality. Yeah. Uh, okay. Excellent. Let's let's go. Sounds like you had an illustrious high school and summer job career. Yes. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, where did you go to school? Uh, to college. Yes. I went to Princeton. Nice. And then after Princeton, what did you do in between uh, Princeton and RJ Metrics? I worked at a another startup, although a very different startup in New York City called Yodel. Got it. Tell tell us what Yodel does. Or do uh, Yodel still continues to sell uh, local advertising or advertising to local businesses. So. Uh, they are trying to get your dentist and masseuse to advertise online and uh, to do so through them, you know, where they sort of manage it for you. Got it. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to think of something. We're going to cut this out. I was going to be a bad joke about dentists and masseuses, but I have nothing. Leave this in. Please leave, leave this that in. Definitely yeah. leave this in. I was going to say. Expose the hosts. Yes. Yeah. True personality. Nothing. Uh, what did you do at Yodel? I um, I think my title was quantitative engineer. Um, regardless of my title, my job function was to primarily to um, write algorithms to bid on advertising space on behalf of our customers. So uh, you know, we had thousands of 
doctors and dentists and mm-hmm. all yeah you know, all these other local businesses who wanted to optimally spend their money on advertising space. At the time, it was primarily uh, for Google AdWords, um, although I believe they have since diversified quite a bit. Um, and so my job was to write algorithms to uh, automatically manage that money in an optimal way. Hmm. And are there any things that in that algorithm writing that relate to either stuff you have done at RJ Metrics before or stuff that you're doing now? It, that was data science, essentially. Okay. That the and the the other half of my job was sort of uh, similar to David Wallace's job huh. um, in some ways. Not quite. Uh, I wasn't like a dedicated to that, right. but uh, I was the essentially I was the guy they gave to because they didn't have a RJ Metrics. Uh, oh, I had to write queries and pull reports for people as well. Oh. Um, that was that. Uh, spread throughout our team a little bit, but that, yeah. that was effectively the the way it worked. Hmm. Um, but the the you know the core job mm-hmm. function of, of uh, writing those algorithms was was data science. Yeah, you know, we would uh, run regression models um, and uh, heuristic models to uh, try to you know be better at uh, yeah. managing the money, and then go back and kind of look at our results and refine from there. And how like how big of an improvement could you get from like working on something for a week or two? Like, was realistic? Um, it really varied. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly was not there very long, um, so um, I wouldn't. It was we were still very early. I wouldn't say that we actually had like the process nailed okay. for like iteratively improving on um, the the spend. Frankly, the the biggest challenge we had. Hopefully, I'm not violating any sorts of uh, non disclosure agreements here. Five and a half years later, sure. Um, limitations is passed. But uh, the biggest challenge we had early on in this, you know, we. I started on that team towards the beginning. I wasn't exactly the first member, but I, I was pretty early on. And uh, the biggest challenge we had initially was sort of balancing uh, spending aggressively versus spending smart. Because um, you you think that, oh, you want to solve this problem by like pinching your pennies and, and only paying for the most optimal stuff. And that may be true, uh, except then you might not drive any traffic whatsoever. So. Uh, there was also sort of a, an interest from the company's perspective to right. spend their clients' money that the clients had told them to spend. Oh, totally. Um, so yeah. uh, that, that was a, a process that you know, didn't take us long to realize that, but we sort of what ended up happening was we sort of had to re, like, totally redo our algorithm because oh, wow. we hadn't really built aggression into it uh, at its core. So uh, we, we had a, a little bit of soul searching to do during that period. Interesting. And did, uh, like, there are obviously many dentists in Philadelphia. Yeah. If multiple of those dentists are customers of Yodel, uh, at the time there was they did not have such uh, gravity in the market that yeah. that was a huge issue. Uh, although it was certainly something that was on our radar, um, it it wasn't something we we dealt with head on. Okay. But yeah, certainly um, potentially a sticky situation. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they, I believe they later introduced um, like additional features to sort of like help uh, discern between dentists on a geo basis. So what they would sort of, they would do instead of uh, driving you to a single dentist site directly from Google, mm-hmm. is they drive you to a landing page that they built okay. um, for Philadelphia, for okay. example, and then help you dive in from there. You put in your address and they would decide that you're yeah. right next to one of the dentists. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, 
when when you were writing these algorithms, like what did you use to do it? Like were there any tools or? Yeah, um, we use so the the algorithm itself was written in Java, um, but the analysis of the algorithm um, we used. I'm trying to remember a combination of we used R primarily, hmm. um, and. Everyone's. It was a small team of like three or four people, and so everyone had their own little tool set. I think um, I remember using Python a bit, um, and uh, I think I we even used MATLAB a little bit. So it, it really it was a little bit all over the map. Huh. Um, and if you can't, yeah, like we were at the time I was there, we were very experimental. I, so right. I think we were still sort of like crystallizing that core tool set. And how did you? Like was the the data on the performance and the spend, was that all in a database that you had access to? Would you get CSV files? Or? Yeah, and that was actually that was not something that I had firsthand uh, contact with. The another part of our engineering team had built the data extraction stuff to get the data back from Google. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, effectively, like <laughs> we we now know how that problem works. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And so, yeah, there's probably like a data engineering team or the equivalent. They may not have been called that, but it was... Yeah, and again, at the time, we were pretty much only working with Google. So it, yeah. it really, it, I think, you know, it was something that that team built. And, and honestly, actually, it might have even been a CSV dump okay. not, rather than sort of like a series of API calls. Right. Um, I, again, I, I wasn't working on it firsthand, but right. I recall it being like fairly simplistic. I, I'm pretty sure it was daily. It wasn't like a live thing. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, very cool. Going back, we touched on college briefly. Um, if you could take one class from college again, what would it be? Uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I think the one the one that has probably had the most impact on like what I have done since college um, is. Uh, a class called high tech entrepreneurship, um, okay. which was it was basically like a business school type class, even though we didn't have a business school. Mm -hmm. um, it, I think that exact class had been taught by the same professor at at Harvard Business School, but right. uh, he kind of brought it um, to the undergrad level, um, and it was just very eye opening. From like it was just sort of uh, at the time working at a tech startup was not quite as um, commonplace, um, nor uh, obviously appealing. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a little bit eye-opening to think like, surrounded by peers who all had, um, there, where the uh, plurality were going into uh, a very small number of verticals like finance and consulting um, and doctoring and lawyering. Um, the uh, the, it was sort of like a breath of fresh air and a little bit of like a good um, confidence builder that oh no this is actually a real thing that people yeah. do um, and it's not like you know a pipe dream or, or you know crazy uh, crazy idea so um, in addition to being like just a really fun interesting class mm -hmm. um, it was uh, yeah it definitely sort of uh, shaped my future more than any of the others what uh what was what they say or would they teach in that class that made it seem like this was a, a practical or a reasonable path? Um, I think it was it was largely case studies. So it, okay. it was just very very business school style. Mm -hmm. You know, case after case after case. 
Uh, it was cool because um, at least half the time they would have the actual people who were involved in the case come in and talk to the class. Yeah. Um, and uh, then it was sort of just like the, the individual professor mm-hmm. was basically like on a mission to convince students to not like sell their soul into banking. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was pretty convincing. What, what was that professor's name? Xiao. Ed Xiao. Got it. And I know that both you and Bob have gone back at various points to guest lecture at Princeton. Was it in this class? Uh, I haven't guest lectured in this class. I don't think Bob has either. Okay. Um, no, I we uh, Bob's is lectured in the ORF department, and we've lectured together in the CS department. Okay, but not this one. Cool. I'm sure it's only a matter of time until Bob gets that call. You better. He's 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 got more entrepreneur cred than I do, though. So just like they they don't know who's pulling the strings behind the scenes. They they will though. Right. They will. They will. This right. podcast gets out exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell the world your story. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of those cases? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I think so. Yeah, one of them. Oh, Keurig was one of them, which is really oh, interesting. Really? Yeah, um, Endeavor was one. Like the start of Endeavor, the like William Morris Endeavor. The, no, um, Endeavor, the um, venture fund for third world, or oh, maybe wow. not necessarily third world, but like uh-huh. foreign uh, entrepreneurs. Huh. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, we did one on Tim Ferriss because nice. Tim Ferriss had like a personal connection with the professor. Don't want to go into that. Um, what were some other good ones? Oh, um, oh, I think BusyCalc was one. Oh yeah, that's impressive. Um, yeah, actually, I, I think that there's probably some people listening to this who don't know what BusyCalc is. Can you explain? Yeah, it's like the original Microsoft Excel, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it it was the original spreadsheet yeah. software. Yeah, uh, and was wildly successful. It was kind of like the original killer app for computers. Yeah. Um, for business computers. Um, and yeah, I, I can't recall exactly how Microsoft Excel sort of supplanted it, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, if you hadn't taken that class, what do you think you would have got into after college? Um, I think there's still a pretty strong chance I would have ended up at a technology company. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only, as I had originally thought about working in technology at a hedge fund, mm-hmm. um, which I probably, it was something that I interned for and, and considered pursuing further, but um, decided against. I think I probably would have been more likely to mm-hmm. pursue that further had I not taken the class. Um, I, I actually, a, a big part of me, having seen uh, several really close friends actually do that and, and since then leave to go work at a tech company, yeah. uh, it would not have at all surprised me if I uh, had ended up in a similar place even if I had started there. Right. So. Uh, I know the, what, what's the name of the hedge fund you interned at? Uh, they might, their lawyers might contact me if I say that this that publicly. No, it's uh, Bridgewater. Got it. And I know uh, both you and I think that it's a fascinating culture. Could you talk a little bit about like what that place is all about? I think so. Yeah, um, yeah sure. So um, Bridgewater is one of the largest hedge funds in the world, and uh, I think it might be the largest. Yeah, yeah I, I think at a certain point it's like hard to measure. Yeah. Fair um, but uh, yeah, they're they're up there. Um, and they, uh, they're, 
in addition to being wildly successful at uh, hedging funds, <laughs> their other claim to fame is um, having just a very, very interesting corporate culture mm-hmm. um, in which uh, the there's a huge amount of emphasis placed on uh, being very open and honest in the workplace um, and um, sort of uh, not holding back feedback in any circumstance for any reason. Um, and so you're, you're sort of like indoctrinated into this, mm-hmm. even through their interview process. Their entire interview process is uh, get a group of candidates in a room together, sitting around a table, and bring up controversial subjects and get them arguing about them. Wow. Um, at least that uh, this may yeah. have all changed, but th- this was the case. Do you remember what your controversial subject was? So I was in the tech department, so I didn't have... I, uh, I had a tech interview first, so my controversial subject was... I, I, I can't remember whether I had one or not. Um, Emacs versus him. Yeah, I think I might have, uh, have uh, placed out of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the common subjects would be talking about, like, uh, pay for play in the NCAA, um, okay. whatever, you know, Supreme Court case of the time mm. happened to be uh, going on. Um, so uh, that was sort of your introduction. And then, you know, the, the like culture materials were all about uh, the CEO, whose name's Ray. And yeah, the, the anecdote that they were always very eager to share was the story of, you know, some. Um, some relatively young new employee you know, had been at the company for less than six months, mm-hmm. um, and Ray's job, part of Ray's job at the time, was at least to um, help close deals, to to you know, go in front of potential partners or like investors, investors, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, schmooze them, give them yeah. give them the X's and O's for a half an hour, yeah. and uh, make them think that you know everybody at the company is super smart and great, um, and. Uh, I apparently, uh, so the, the the young employee in the in this case was on the sales side of things was you know working yeah. in that world too, um, client relationship I think they called it or something like that. And so um, uh, apparently um, the process was that you know this person uh, would sort of you know Ray would come into the, the meeting for a half an hour and mm-hmm. do his thing and and then leave and uh, this person would would sort of maintain the relationship uh, beyond that. Um, and I guess you know one one time um, Ray came in and, and just was sort of off of his game a little bit was clearly distracted and so this you know young employee wrote him an email just said like Ray uh, you know I felt like I needed to give you some feedback on your performance today um, if I were to give it a grade I'd give it a D uh, and here, here are all the reasons why yeah you know, and just kind of laid out like very clearly here's mm-hmm. here's what I think you did wrong and um, you know, Ray responded, copied the entire company, and said, "You're totally right. Thank you." Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, there's a lot of good that can come from that culture. Um, yeah. It it often got taken very to the extremes, um, mm-hmm. which uh, occasionally got to be a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's certainly a lot of benefit to having a, a very like open, honest culture where you know feedback is given and received uh, as a way to improve each other, mm-hmm. not as any sort of slight. So it was, it was a good experience yeah. for that reason alone. Would you, uh, if there are any people who just joined RJ who are listening to this right now, new, new listeners? Yeah, new listeners. Would you recommend that they send you an email telling you that you screwed something up? Absolutely. Yes. Hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Um, yes. If 
if I screwed it up. Yeah. Okay. Not, <laughs> yeah, not right. just randomly. Don't just do that because I said so. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, absolutely. I. Yeah. Uh, I think you know. I, uh, I think uh, there are large elements of that culture present today at RJ Metrics, which is one of the reasons why I love working here. And I, I don't think I would be here if were that were not the case. Um, because uh, yeah, I I frequently on a weekly basis feel like I am getting pushed to improve uh, by you, by Bob, but more often by the people on my team. Yeah. Um, you know when it's. You know, I, I said I get dragged into design discussions. Frankly, I'm usually the one that's just asking the stupid questions to, to sort of make sure that everything is sane. Um, and you know, usually I'm learning more than I'm teaching in those situations. So um, you know, on that same vein, uh, yes, I want to know any time that I can be improving. Sounds good. Uh, I'm still eagerly looking forward to that uh, time when I get the actual positive feedback from you, but I feel like I've also <laughs> gotten a lot of constructive criticism, which is great. Um, it's on. It's it's built on top of a base of love, Jay. Yes, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's just very, very deep base. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't need to be talked about. No, no. Uh, who would you say is your best friend? Oh man, besides Roxy. Besides Roxy. Um, well, you can say Roxy if you want. Uh, it's a good question. Um, I, mean, I think I I have to I have to say Sarah yes. uh, as, as a starting point. I think uh, I would I'd be sleeping on the couch if I didn't say. Sarah. Wise, wise uh, but uh, I think uh, non uh, non familial friend. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a, I have a, a small group of friends from college who I mm-hmm. would not choose between. Okay. Um, who you know, one of the reasons I uh, love them so is because they are all very very interesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that uh, you know, a lot of folks that I went to college with sort of all followed a similar path and uh, went into you know, finance or consulting or whatever. And uh, I feel very fortunate and somewhat vindicated in my choice of friends that uh, not, none or few to none of my friends are, are actually doing that. And the, even the ones that are, are doing yeah. it in interesting ways. Um, so uh, yeah, tough, tough to pick one. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll go with Roxy. Yeah. So, so Roxy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Default answer. Um. <laughs> What, uh, which member of the RJ Metrics team would you most like to hear a Buddy Time podcast about? That's a really good question. Um, I think Matt Bilyeu. Really? Yeah. Why Matt? Matt just has a very quirky personality yes. that uh, I think would play well on radio. I, it's hard to imagine a medium where he wouldn't play well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt was the uh, former... The last year, uh, Halloween costume champion with the count was excellent, and I'm sure has accomplished other things as well. But. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, he's uh, he's he would knock this dead. He would he'd be yeah. doing much more interesting stuff than I am. Yeah, he's also got great game on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, what's your number one uh, either app or website on which you waste time? Good question. Um, probably, it's. I'm getting into the, the trying to figure out what the definition of wasting time is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many. Um, I mean, in some ways, it's probably Gmail. 
Um, to yes, be, like if I'm being perfectly honest, that's fair. That's probably the number one. You know, okay. Gmail and its equivalent app on the on the phone. Yeah. Um, but if we assume that that's not a waste of time, um, which is the biggest effort. Right. Yeah. Which is um, I, the things I look at mostly are um, Hacker News, New York Times, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, in like very predictable use patterns for all of them. Like I'll look at Twitter, you know, five times a day for five minutes. Yep. I'll look at Hacker News twice a day for ten minutes, and I'll look at the New York Times once a day for a half an hour. Yep. That before you get to work, at work, or at home. The New York Times. Yeah. Uh, usually uh, when I am trying to go to sleep. Oh. Yes. It's a nice calm thing to learn about all the wars in the world and things like that. Yeah, it's yeah. usually because I can't sleep. Okay. Yeah, and now it doesn't help me sleep. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um. What uh, what have I not asked about you? What are the other fun facts that have not been revealed by these questions? Oh, man. Um, so a lot of generic ones, but mm-hmm. none, none of them are you know, that interesting. I mean, we could talk about your, your short but illustrious uh, career brewing your own beer. Yeah, no, that's not that interesting. Okay. It ends. It ends tragically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it ends with botulism. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I one of one of my favorite pastimes is running with Jake. That is, uh, which we try to do three times a week. I think you know, realistically, we hit two. Yeah, it, tomorrow morning, by the way. Tomorrow morning, I'm in. All right, we're doing it. Um, I, uh, I've been very enthusiastic about the advent of more golfers at RJ Metrics. It seems like you guys uh, have a pretty good crew that you... Yeah, we started a couple, couple mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it's largely me and the sales team, mm-hmm. um, but Connor played recently. So. Nice. Um, How many people went the last time you guys went? Uh, we've had eight, up to eight in the past. So yeah, we're, we're growing. We're, that, we're doing it. That sounds, sounds like a club. Yeah. You guys have uh, a Slack channel? Uh, there have been impromptu Slack channels. Nice. Um, not, no permanent ones, but maybe we should get one. I think you deserve it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I would. Uh, I, I want to know uh, when. When do I start interviewing you? I feel like that. That isn't that the whole point that the uh, the interview has to you know evolve into a more flowing conversation. No. No. <laughs> no. It can. It absolutely can. Uh, yeah, you want to do that right now? <laughs> I don't know what time well, is it. Uh, it's five forty-six p.m. Oh, we've got we've got loads of time. Okay. Um, Turn the tables. Yeah, I know. I think the I think the uh, now that I know all of your questions. Yeah, I uh, I did a typical uh, project. I did all the work. Feel free to reap all. Yes. Yeah, so, Jake. Yes. Um, yeah, we're we're here. Uh, I'm uh, I'm interested to know a little bit about like. When did you start working at RJ Metrics? And tell me, tell me a little bit about how that came to be. Sure, uh, I would say it was uh, right around the end of two thousand eight. Uh, I was uh, working at a firm called Insight Venture Partners, which is a venture capital and private equity firm. Uh, one of my coworkers was named uh, Bob Moore, and he we had like an analyst class of six or so people, and he. Uh, brought us into a room one day and told us about this idea he had for a business, which was like the evolution of like three other ideas he'd had, uh, where basically the analysis that we would do on companies for due diligence for like the, the VC firm to invest in, to productize that and make a startup around it. Uh, and it was a pretty good idea. 
And I followed up with him after the meeting and kind of cornered him at his desk so he couldn't go anywhere and said, it was a pretty good idea that, that you had, but it would be an even better idea if me and you did this. Uh, and he claimed that he was always planning on talking to me about it. Who knows if that's actually true. He was really hoping for someone better, but I you were the only one that approached him. I think that's uh, there's a high probability that's true. <laughs> um, and then how did uh, that transition into a company? Uh, so we uh, worked out the details over the course of a couple days. Um, he ended up quitting Insight maybe a month or two before I did. Um, and he had actually had an, a like a corporate entity, a company from one of the previous ideas he had pursued. What was the name of that company? Uh, so it had numerous names. They, uh, the first name for it was Smart Raise, uh, and that was eventually converted into Donor Loyalty Corp. Uh, and then Donor, Lo- Donor Loyalty Corp converted into RJ Metrics. Are, are we officially now ca- uh, called RJ Metrics as a corporation? Uh, the, the official name is the Illuminati. Uh, yes. Yes, uh, the official name is now RJ Metrics Inc. Uh, that was one of my first projects, was working with the lawyer to execute the paperwork uh, to change the name of the company. Um, and uh, at that time, he was living in the suburbs in South Jersey in a town called Collingswood, uh, which I'm sure everyone listening knows as the uh, hottest tech hub in South Jersey. Uh, and so we worked out of his house. I remember I, my first day there was October 1. Uh, I showed up, and at the end of the workday, we had a beer. Uh, so pretty big day while the crazy guys special day yeah um, I'm uh, I'm interested to talk more about the name RJ Metrics I feel like I even I didn't know for a while whether the R and the J were Bob's first two initials yes. or Bob's first initial and your initial tell yes. tell me the story be honest yes sure uh, so the name RJ Metrics predated me but one of the conditions, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, uh, it started out as being his initials, and I was like, I think in that first conversation, I was like, yo, why don't I just be the J? Uh, and that was, that was the extent of the formalization of it. So and, and since then, your nickname has been the J, right? The J, yes. Yeah. I put the J in OJ Metrics, that's excellent to say. Has OJ Metrics ever gone by any other names? Uh, outside of the previous like corporate names we have entertained the idea of changing the, uh, the name a few times um, we got pretty close on changing to metric deck uh, we also considered data dogs from your cat metrics uh, data I know dumpster data dumpster uh, double analytics <laughs> lytics.com all, all sorts of, uh, of fun things uh, we ultimately decided that to, to stick with the, with the tried and true yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. That was what four years ago. Uh, it sounds right. We were in the Philadelphia building. Yeah, I remember a lot of uh, not very productive it's, conversations. Yeah, that. interesting to think about the uh, revisionist history. What, what it would have been. Oh man, we would have. Man, things would have been just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, how? Since we're, we're probably running short on time here, my my last question for you. Take your time. Um, talk a little, like, what exactly do you do here? So I'm, This is, this is the, the question everyone's been wondering. I'm hoping that no one looks too closely at that because it's not a lot. Uh, yeah, so I have, I've had quite a few different jobs over the years at RJ Metrics. Uh, 
at the beginning, uh, I was chief business renamer. Chief business renamer. Uh, I was focused on trying to remove as many things from Bob's plate so that he could program. Uh, and then as we got, uh, so like the first, I don't remember, it was like six or seven people that we hired were all engineers. Uh, and I was focused on selling new customers on RJ Metrics, on um, implementing them on RJ Metrics, and then supporting them, entertaining them. Uh, and then over time, a lot of those different pieces, we've developed teams and people who are all far, far superior at each individual part of that. Um, so now, uh, actually today, what I'm doing with all the slack time I have is like kind of go, going slack back. Time. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah. Uh, all the time I'm not looking for funny, funny gifs on slack. Um, I'm going back a little bit to my roots. So we just launched Pipeline, as I'm sure you know. Uh, we're having a little bit of a, of a competition among the exec team around who can sign up the most people for it. Uh, so I'm trying to do that, just doing a little bit of, of actual sales outreach. I am, you know, whether I'm 5 or 10x the rest of the exec team combined, it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> As the only one dedicating time to this exactly. during the work day. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I actually am starting to focus on a little bit more and plan on putting a lot more of my time in over the course of the next quarter or two is working closely with Norris on some of the partnerships and BD deals, uh, both the early ones that we have and also just kind of exploring what other directions we could go in it. Um, Mode, Looker, and Tableau are our first three, and Tableau is still kind of um, in the works. They're, they're uh, not quite as nimble as, as Mode and Looker. Um, but I think there's a lot more BI tools we could potentially partner with, and there's also all different kinds of companies that could potentially take advantage of of pipeline uh, in different ways, so I want to spend a lot of time uh, on that. Cool. So, last follow up to the last question. Sure. You said that your tip, the typical arc of your work involves being replaced by someone who is far superior. Yes. How is how does that make you feel? And and is that uh, do you feel like you learn a lot from that process, or is that uh, something that you sort of like? relinquish entirely and sort of move on uh, I after. absolutely learn a lot from that process. Uh, <coughs> I often when we hire, like I think I was pretty bad at delegating early on. Like I, when, when other people came on to start doing the things that I was doing, I, I had never delegated anything to anybody before so I just, um, I wasn't that good at teaching them how to do stuff and then I also wasn't that good at just like being comfortable with letting stuff go. But over time, as I both, uh, people got really good at it and they were able to focus on it uh, and they just had a lot of natural aptitudes, I was able to change my perspective on it. And so now I do feel like I get to learn a lot by doing things. Um, and in some cases I learn like a totally different set of things by seeing how other people do it. And I like have Evernote files on like, like we just uh, hired Sean Brady, a new VP of sales. Like I have uh, notes on here are all the things that Sean is doing that are much better than what I was doing. And like theoretically at some point in my career I may lead a sales team again and like now I have that note, like boom, I'm gonna be uh, slightly better at it next time. Yeah, you think there's any way to like front load that so you don't have to wait so long to yeah, get that? Yeah, yeah. I um uh yeah, I think I, I potentially seek out people like that as mentors. Yeah, to, maybe that's a, a plug for, for mentorship. Yes, I, I definitely think so. Um yeah and I like now I get like a um I think when I, I, I like focusing, like I, so as things get uh, taken off my plate, I am able to focus more on the things that remain. 
Um, so yeah, overall, I'm I'm very very pleased about it. And like, there's just like, there's no chance we'd be able to do like two percent of what we do now if I was still doing if I was the one doing all that stuff. So. Yes, that that much is true. Yes. Cool. Uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you to, to wind things up. All here. right. Um, that that's it. I don't have any formal ending. Uh, thank you for listening to the the Buddy Time podcast. And uh, I'm Chris. I'm Jake. Keep you stay classy. San Diego. Stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs>